Bible and read together with me. But we are not just reading the Bible. We have to listen to the Holy Spirit and what God talked to us through his words. Matthew chapter 1, 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he has considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. This is God's word. Morning, everyone. Morning to those at home. Remember Steve and Michelle Mulkington, family that went south? Their son, Luke, is here this morning down the back. Stand up, Luke. Stand up. Look how tall he is now. Welcome, mate. Glad to see you. Uh, Dad's down at Ballina, uh, ministering down there, um, both at a conference yesterday and preaching this morning, and then you guys are meeting up, I think, tomorrow and heading back south. Luke has finished school, and he's in a gap year next year. So pray for him, and as God opens his future for him. If this is your first time, then welcome to Sunnybank, and we're in the middle, I guess, of our Christmas processes. Thank you, let me also say thank you to all of you who came, but also who particularly supported and helped out with carols. I want to give a very public uh, big thank you, particularly to Councillor Kim Marks, who was our biggest and most significant contributor to our carols. Um, And some of you would have been there on the Sunday afternoon when the local member, James Martin, turned up and got to have his photo with some of you and that went on Facebook and all that sort of stuff. And so this morning we're going to do a little bit of Facebook as well in my sermon. Um, there are two bits of technology which are beyond my pay grade that hopefully will work this morning. <clears throat> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks that we can be together. Thank you for your word and for this season. Thank you for the wonderful truth that it reminds us of, that you love us, that you came into our world to save us, that you did that through the death, the resurrection, and now the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we meet. Lord, open our eyes to learn more about him, to be drawn to him. Could you help us approach this very familiar story and open parts of it that we may not have seen before or to revisit it, Lord, with a freshness? 
Renew us and speak to us, we pray, in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Christmas story, most people know the Christmas story, don't they? Sort of. They hear it, uh, certainly through schools, nativity scenes and nativity plays, and even though there are, you know, some fanciful things that have been added to it. RI teachers teach it to our kids, but not all kids attend RI. People turn up at Christmas services or carols like last Sunday night and they hear parts of the Christmas story again. But the truths and the facts of the real story of Christmas often gets lost or buried amongst all of the fantasy and the additions and the traditions and things that we've added to it. My wife bought me a book on this by Nick Page and I've managed to lose it. <clears throat> so pray that I find it because next Sunday I wanted to do a quiz on Christmas to see how well you know the story and the facts of Christmas. There are things that we think we know or that we think happened that the Bible does or does not mention. So we'll do a little bit of that this morning, um, but it's also going to use some of my imagination. The man I wanted to focus upon in today is the man who was often overlooked. He never says anything in the scriptures, and of course we're talking about Joseph. He never speaks, and he's often overlooked. In all of the songs that we sing, we don't sing about him. We sing about Mary, we sing about Jesus, and that's fine. Silent Night, it's all about mother and child. No mention of him. Well, he had no part to play in it, did he? What did he do for Christmas? Well, he did a lot. He provided the framework for Jesus to be able to be called the son of David. And in fact, after the Christmas, Joseph will be the one who is responsible for the training of the Lord Jesus, both in his trade but also in taking him to school and also to the synagogue. Mary would have been busy being a young mum because she had six other children. So she was pretty occupied and pretty busy. And, Joseph, and Jesus, as Joseph's adopted firstborn, um, would have occupied a fair bit of his time. So just imagine if Joseph had a Facebook, just as a show of hands... Who is on Facebook here? Come on, be proud. Oh, look. Not half, but close to half. Who has access? My wife is not on Facebook, but she has access to it somehow. Who has access to it through Instagram? Oh, look, the rest of you sinners. Who has remained true and pure and holy with me? Nobody. <laughs> anyway, here is my attempt uh, this is not my idea, but I've adapted an idea, which I'll tell you about. I might even try and see if I can find it and show it next week. I have to find out if we can do that or not. Um, but anyway, here is my attempt at Facebook. So this is Joseph. This is his entry. There is Joseph and there is Mary, and they don't communicate with each other. They've got their own separate lines, all right? I had to do it that way, otherwise the gets, story gets complicated. <clears throat> so he's put his password in, and he makes a comment. I'm pledged to be married to somebody, someone very special. Jacob, that's his father. You need to change your status, my son, from single to betrothed. It's liked by Jacob, that's his dad, and Heli, that's Mary's dad, Elizabeth and Zachariah, and 27 others. He's got 27 friends. 
Mary has started her page. I'm travelling to visit Elizabeth. I've just arrived at her house. So these are different posts, as I imagine it. Her baby leaped for joy in her womb, and she knows that I'm pregnant. Mary puts on the Facebook. But Joseph can't read her book, all right? Her page. That's why that can't happen. Mary posts, Mary had a boy. They named him John. And now I'm travelling back to Nazareth. Elizabeth. Safe travels, Mary. Thanks for coming. Joseph, I just heard from Heli, the dad, that Mary is on her way home. I've saw Mary. She's pregnant. Friends, you got Mary pregnant? <laughs> Joseph, no. She said the child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. What? Sounds crazy, but that's what she said the angel said. Sure. 27 friends unfriended Joseph. <laughs> Joseph, what will I do? I'm wrestling with my decision. I'm off to bed to sleep on it. Next day, had the weirdest dream last. Had the weirdest dream last night. Same angel tells me the same thing that Mary had said. Told me to proceed with the marriage. So I'm getting married this Saturday. Joseph, I love her with all of my heart. She said yes, again. When the baby is born, I'm going to call him Jesus. And Caesar Augustus started a new page as well, 7 BC. He created a new event. All must register in, place of their, in their place of origin. Joseph, so I'm heading to Bethlehem. Long trip ahead, especially for my expectant wife. All the donkeys are being booked, so we're walking. <laughs> Arrived in Bethlehem, can't find a room. Baby is coming, it's a boy. It's a boy. He is asleep in the manger because it's all I could find to use. And it doesn't end there. We'll continue it next week. That was pretty good, wasn't it? I pinched it off somebody else, but I adapted it. We'll see if we can find the original. It's okay, but it's got some mistakes in it, which is why I adapted it. Verse 18a. <clears throat> this is the passage that we're looking at this morning. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged or betrothed to be married to Joseph. We know this story so well, we often jump over these sorts of things. But I wanted to look at this passage, but I want to look at it through the eyes of Joseph. <clears throat> the scriptures don't tell us how he felt about things, except in one verse. But... Um, and even that may not be an emotional statement. So I wanted to give five things about Joseph and I want to use emojis to sort of explain it if I can. Let's see how these emojis turned out. <clears throat> Did you know? I, I learned this this morning. That the emojis on your iPad and on your iPhone and on your computer are all different. Did you know that? I didn't. I thought they were all the same. So the emojis that I put in on my iPad are different to what's going to appear up here. Let's pray that they turn out all right. <laughs> well, it's, it's different. But anyway, the words are the same. He's excited. Why is he excited? Because he's betrothed to be married. Unlike our society, in their society, they went through... Th Three stages of getting married. First stage is that they would have been 
um, promised to each other, often arranged by the parents. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Hmm. Often arranged by the parents, maybe in kindergarten or something like that. They didn't have any choice in it or anything like that. And then after puberty, then they would have been betrothed. And then it was 12-month waiting time. That was a, a time of preparation. He would go off and be building a house, a place where they would be living or finding accommodation for them. She would be preparing for all of the um, wifely and motherly duties that she would be involved in in the future, getting cooking lessons from mum and all the rest, I guess. Um, and then they would have very little social contact through that 12 months. They would have no physical contact at all. Um, and they would only ever see each other in public settings and arrangements um, until he came on a certain day. There was no announcement of a date to be married. It's simply when he had finished the house, he would make a decision, I'm going to get my wife. And that's what she was called as soon as you were betrothed. It was a legal contract. And the only way to get out of it was through divorce. We'll come to that. Um, and so when he leaves his house and goes to the house of the parents, he then takes his wife and he walks her back to his house where they have a celebration, which goes for maybe a week, various days, different amounts of time, depending on their wealth and status and so on. <clears throat> and from that point on, they were husband and wife. And it's from that point on they would have physical contact, they'd have sleep together and have sex together and so on. So he's excited because we're at the beginning stage of the beginning of this 12-month period. And of course, at this stage, um, the angel tells Mary about Elizabeth, who's in her six months of pregnancy, and Mary leaves. So he's busy building the house and so on, and he knows that she's away, and she's away for at least three months, at least three. They're the three stages I just told you about. But before they came together, so in that 12-month period, before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And we're not told how, she, how he found out. Did he find out? Did she tell him? Did her parents tell him? We're not given that information, so it's important we don't need to know it because Scripture hasn't given it to us. But she's certainly at least three and maybe four months pregnant, at least at this stage. So she's beginning to show, perhaps. And so how does Joseph feel about that? Well, shock. Incredibly disappointed. We're not told if he got angry and you know, felt betrayed. That would be certainly a very normal response and reaction. But he does appear to be shocked. It's like someone just sucked all the air out of the room. What would his friends say? What would people say about him? What would people say about her? And in the midst of the shock, he's processing information. We are told that he is uh, her husband. He's called husband and she is called wife after the betrothal. That's why, because they have that status, it's a legal status, it's a contract that they have already entered into, money has exchanged hands, a dowry price for her, then the only way out of it is legally through a divorce. He has several options, and he is a righteous man. He is a man who is faithful to God, to God's word, and he wants to do the right thing. What would God have me do? He had several options. One would be that he could expose her publicly. He could take her down to the town square and point at her and say that she has been unfaithful to him and that he demands you know, his rights, money back and all the rest of it, I guess. Um, that was one option. Another option is he could do it quietly, just two witnesses, two people. He'd fill out a, a divorce certificate and he'd sign it in front of the two witnesses, hand it to her and send her on her way. 
The details would be on the certificate, but nobody except the two witnesses would know about it and nobody else would know. I guess he could marry her and pretend it never happened. And he didn't have this option as far as I know in those days. Today, unfortunately, we have another option and that, of course, is abortion. But he wasn't going to take that. He obviously was wrestling with it. He was in absolute agony of minds, tormented. What will I do? And it's because he was a righteous person, and this is a lesson that we can learn from. Joseph is a man who thinks, who considers carefully, and before he acts on it, he is even going to sleep on it, as we'll read in a moment. What I find interesting about that is that Joseph is going through mental torment, and he didn't have to. God led him. God could have told him. God told Mary. Why didn't God tell Joseph? Well, God was doing something in Joseph. God was growing him, something like that. Joseph didn't believe Mary, as I assume she would have told him everything, and he found that unbelievable. He will come to the point of belief in a moment. But I wonder why God did it. Not sure, not told. But God does that with us too, doesn't he? puts us through hard times and sometimes it feels like, why is this happening? Well, Joseph is certainly having that experience and we just trust that God in his sovereignty and goodness, there is a reason that he's just not telling us the reason. One day we'll come to understand. Joseph decides that he wants to do what's the gentlest thing for her. He's going to divorce her quietly. Only the two witnesses would know about it and nobody else would know about it. And he's obviously, well, a little bit concerned about it. That's why he's wrestling with it. And then, verse 20, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord came to him in a dream. He has thought about this and wrestled with this. And often when we get into those emotional states, we find it quite tiring, draining. So here he goes to sleep. And it's going to be in the midst of a dream that God sends an angel to speak to him. Why a dream? Maybe it's because in dreams we're prepared to accept the unusual. We accept weird things in dreams, don't we? Do you have dreams? Most people have dreams. You have about two hours of dreams every night. Some are good, some are frightening, some are real, some are nonsense. A pink elephant turns up and talks to you and you talk back. Strange and unusual things can happen in dreams. And so into this dream, God sends an angel. Does God have access to our dreams? Yep. Does Satan? I wonder. But anyway, dreams must be also tested. Um, And so God sends an angel into the midst of this dream. I dream, often vividly, and I'm one of those people that when I dream, I act out what I'm dreaming So I move, I speak, I run, I kick. I'm often playing football in my dreams. Probably the world's greatest player in my dreams. I've never punched Ronda, but I have punched furniture. And I know you know the story a few months ago where I launched myself out of bed 
and hurt myself significantly because a snake was coming for me. And I don't like snakes. Do you have dreams where you're falling? Probably it refers to insecurity or anxiety. Chasing dreams? Someone chasing you? Could be impending threats or stresses. You could, people have dreams where they're trapped in a cage or in a room. I regularly dream of someone breaking into our house and I have to hide around a corner and I wait for them and then I'm going to punch them, kick them, do something to them because I'm protecting my family. That's a recurring dream for me. And I'm going to catch that person one day. Well, Joseph's dream is a bit different because this is an angelic dream. And in this dream, it's, it's a speaking dream. So he was certainly feeling sad and fearful about Mary and about the decision that he had come to make. Um, and he's wrestling with it. Um, but God is going to do a wonderful thing. God is going to relieve him from all of his fears and stresses and everything else. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. There's the reference, the only emotional reference, if you could take it that way. Don't be afraid to take Mary home. You see, you've got to go to the home, take her back to your place, then you're married. Take her home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel says exactly the same words that Mary would have said to him. And it was a confirmation for him. And he would have found that, I think, a great relief in his heart. The angel goes on to say, she will give birth to a son and you, it's the father's legal responsibility to name the child, and you will give him the name Jesus. Because Jesus means saviour. Salvation is of the Lord. Because he will save his people from their sins. The name Jesus is a very precious name to us. And what joy must have started to fill his heart and what relief for young Joseph. But God, will, God says that through Jesus he will save his people, those who believe in him and accept him, from their sins. Not necessarily from sin's consequences. Not necessarily things from the overflow of what sin does to us, whether it's loneliness or whether it's fear about things or something else, but from our sins that he'll save us from the penalty of our sins, that he'll declare us clean and forgiven and therefore redeemed and adopted into his forever family. But he's gonna, he also will save us from the power of our sins, that he sets the captive free, that we no longer have to indulge in those habits or give in to that sin which has dominated us. He has broken the power of it. And now Satan is simply, and our old sinful nature, seeks to deceive us and trick us that it still has a power. It doesn't. It's been broken. That's why Romans 6 says we have to reckon, we have to consider ourselves dead to sin. It's a choice that we make. The Saviour will also deliver us from sin's pleasures. I trust that's your experience. That's not immediate. But over the years, you will find that sin doesn't deliver the pleasures that they once did. And in fact, they deliver misery and disappointment because we disappoint our Heavenly Father. We grieve His Spirit. And we're far more inclined to want to do please them than ourselves. 
And ultimately, he will deliver us from sin's presence when he takes us to a new heaven and a new earth and we have a new body. And then sin will be no more. Jesus, who will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. God has relieved him from all of his stresses. God has answered the dilemma that he had. He must have presented the matter before God, before he made the decision of what he was going to do. He just needed more information. What joy must have filled his heart when he woke up the next morning and without delay, without reservation, he does as instructed. You ever had a dream where in the dream you know that was God speaking to you? I've had that experience a couple of times, not often, but a couple of times. God has woken me up from a dream and I knew it was the Lord talking to me. How did Joseph feel? Resolved. Can you see that? It's supposed to be a person and his hands are sort of out. He's determined to go and do something. I'm going to do exactly what God said to do. And he goes to pick up Mary, take her back, And they get married. Well, what does all of this mean for us? Well, Joseph is a guy who we can learn from. He's committed to doing what God wanted him to do, even in the midst of weirdness, strangeness. He's going to look into the face of a child which won't look anything like him, I guess. Yet he's committed. This is God's son. And God wanted him to raise his son. And he will. He stays on in Bethlehem and we learn that obeying God is not always easy. It's not always smooth. It's not always without wrestling and heartache. And sometimes doing the right thing, doing the thing that God wants you to do is the hard thing. Joseph certainly does that. We learn from Joseph, his example is that he wrestled with wanting to know the line of duty. What should I do? He wasn't impulsive. He wasn't hasty. He wasn't inconsiderate of the other. As I said before, in all probability, he lay the matter before God in prayer. We're not told how long he wrestled with it or pondered these matters, whether it was several days or whatever. But God eventually gave him a very clear message. God spoke to him in a dream, as God willed to us, Because the Bible says that if Proverbs 3, verse 6, if we acknowledge him, then he will direct us in his ways. So we learn from Joseph to be a people who seek God's face because the world needs more Josephs and more Marys. People, both of them, people of integrity, people who are God-focused, God-orientated, people who want to please the Lord, people who will follow God's will, whatever it is, and whatever the consequences are going to be, may the Lord raise up more people like Joseph and Mary. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's a familiar story, but it has depths to it that when we pause or explore, there is more for you to show us. And Lord, there is still more for us to discover. Thank you for Joseph, this man that you loved and used and worked through. So too, Lord, 
work through us, just as you love us and have shaped us. Whether you're allowing us to wrestle with things before you give us the direction, or whether on the other end of it, where your word is very clear and we know what to do, give us great joy in obeying you. Deliver us from our sin. Fill us with your spirit and raise up more Josephs, more Marys, to fill our church, to fill our community and to fill our world. And prepare us, Lord, for when Jesus comes. We ask and pray this in his name. And everybody said...